Well, tonight on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the fallout still of this decision with the Supreme Court about affirmative action. And remember, I stated in the podcast that the Asian community is going to regret being a part of being a pawn for the white supremacists because the white supremacists could not do this on his own. His strategy, his new strategy is use all these immigrants that came into this country to try to unravel all the protections that actually help out those immigrants that come here to this country. So you remember the lady that we talked about a few nights ago named Yatin Chu. Let me put that tweet up. So you remember this lady right here and she said, I told my daughter that today is a big day. He said there they've ended affirmative action. Isn't it what you've been fighting for? She asked. And I said, yes. Now, you know, Yatin is that woman at the bottom in the blue to the right. But check this out. Yatin, since, since, since you want to unravel some things, let, let's, let's see how them same people you teamed up with is screwing you. Let's put this up. Now, the guy that you see up there, a Robin Voss, he is a representative from Wisconsin. The guy, Dan Lennington, is an attorney, and he's also part of uh, the right wing. As you can see here, it says SCOTUS eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it, and that came from Chief Justice John Roberts. So he says the Wisconsin legislation can take some easy steps after this decision, such as fixing numerous scholarships, grants, and programs that exclude millions of Wisconsinites because of their race. Just one example. And then he put down here the minority undergraduate grants. You know, the things that you don't have to pay back. And say so in this section, minority undergraduate means an undergraduate student who it is a black American. It is an American Indian is a Hispanic is a person who is admitted to the United States after December 31, 1975 and who's either a former citizen of Laos, Vietnam or Cambodia or whose ancestor was a citizen of Laos, Vietnam or Cambodia. There is established to be administered by the board, the minority undergraduate retention grant program for minority undergraduates enrolled in private nonprofit higher educational institutions in this state or in a technical college in this state. So already Yatin, they're now going after those grants that was for Asians and they're going after those programs that Asians can get in and they talking about technical school. So they're not even just talking about college. Now they're talking about technical school to take away grants and scholarships and everything from the Asian community. But remember y'all team black people were the problem. See, I'm not tripping on them taking anything. You know why I'm not tripping on it Ugh, for multiple reasons, but the main reason why I'm not tripping on it is because we wouldn't get in anyway. We were not getting it. The Asian community is going to be the lackey for everybody to be pouncing on. You're going to see because of what's going to roll downhill. White women are going to get upset with the Asian community too. And when they all talking about people pissed off at them and they looking at them funny and they treating them bad and all that. I'm going to say, Hey, that's what you get for playing footsies with white supremacy. We told you, we told you, we told you, they're going to take everything away that they can, because let me tell you why they're trying to do this. 
The white supremacist is desperate. The white supremacists see all these different groups of people coming in and they know eventually those people are going to want resources. They're not going to just be underneath them forever. Now, of course we see these immigrants coming to this country and then they go, they click up a white supremacist to attack us. As you can see with the Supreme court decision, but they don't understand how when you team up with the devil, it never works out for you. And then later they'll be crying, right? Crying. And, and, and if you get too bad for them, they go run back to their homeland. See black Americans, they don't have nowhere to go to. Sure. We can go become a citizen of another country, but it's a process. This is why some black Americans even take issue with the continent of Africa. Why do the diaspora got to go through a process to go to the African continent? If that's that what they want to do, it should not be no process like that other than process and paperwork. Now I know some uh, countries like Sierra Leone have a um, citizenship program. Like if you uh, take African ancestry and this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It comes back that you are, your, your people trace back to Sierra Leone. You know, people have been getting citizenship that way. Um, and I, I love that program actually better than any, I think all African countries need to take that program and say, hey, if you trace back here, then you should get a citizenship. That would be real good. I, I really support that kind of program. But we're going to see more and more of the unraveling of programs that a lot of these other people benefit from. Everybody going to start losing things now, especially in the red states. You better believe that. Now, let's get to the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. There's a video from Dr. Claude Anderson. I mentioned uh, a few podcasts ago. I said I wanted to get into this. And let's listen to Dr. Claude Anderson and, and why he state in this particular clip why we should focus on reparations. Let's roll that. We're going to talk about, I, can, I guess I can call it shampoo. Okay? Now, all of you know that when you're going to go down, you're going to go down and clean your carpeting. You go down to the store, you get the machine, and you go in and buy a little thing called shampoo to clean the carpet. And what shampoo does is really it takes the sham out and leaves the poo in, okay? <laughs> and that's what's been going on through history with black folk. They keep taking the sham out, you see, leaving the poo in. So this morning, we're gonna do a little shampooing, okay? And we're gonna start off, and we'll show you, take you right through history again, through a second segment of history, and we're gonna start dealing with some of the issues about reparation. And everything I tell you <clears throat> must be taken in that context if you really, truly are gonna understand the nature of reparations. That's the only way you're going to do it. You must understand the nature of it. And what it's saying is this. What I'm saying to you is that reparations is not a nicety. It's not something nice to have for black folk. It is now an absolute necessity. If you do not get reparations soon, black folk, as I told you before, are through. Reparation is not a nicety. It's a necessity. Now, I first wrote my book, Black Labor, White Wealth. That's what I was telling you then. That's, that's been seven years ago when I wrote the first affirmative action plan in the United States in 1971 that Bush just, Jed Bush just killed in Florida, as you all been reading about in the paper. 
I wrote that plan in 1971 as reparations for black folk. And nobody was giving anything to black folk for reparations at that time, but it was killed off within six months. It was converted over to and converted to things for minority women, children, gay, handicapped, midgets, humpbacks, everybody else. Everybody but black folk. And it was diluted down and black folk got nothing out of it. So affirmative action was dead six months after I put it on the, put it on the floor. But now they've been given the pretense that somehow they've had affirmative action all these years. And they haven't had anything for black folk. Black folk haven't gotten anything out of affirmative action. And so in a way, I'm glad that affirmative action is now dead. I want them to bury it. You don't want to throw fire and commemorate and let it go. And I want black folks to go to reparations. Because that's the only way. You got to have reparations. There's no other choice. So as you heard Dr. Claude Anderson, he said that let affirmative action die. He created affirmative action in Florida. He was the creator of it. And he said within six months, they undermined it. They muddied the water. They made it where it didn't even benefit black people as it should have benefited black people. Uh, those who are uh, descendants of slaves. It did not benefit us at all. But he said, focus on reparations and lineage based reparations is important. He said that black folks need reparations. He was saying it at that time. And it's more so uh, today that black folks need reparations. As you can see, if you had, if you focus on reparations based on race and saying it's black race, you see what happens when you focus on race. They'll strike it down and say, no, you can't do anything uh, specific for a one group, right? So it has to be lineage and it has precedent on that with the native American tribes. So lineage base is the right way to go. On top of that, that decision, believe it or not, Yatin, that decision actually helped black people more than what you think. Now you say, Phil, how did that decision help black people more than you think in the area of reparations? Well, while Yatin was celebrating in her mind, black people being put into colleges and universities over them, because they thought that you couldn't, you, you can't qualify. You can't do the work. You can't, that's what they think automatically. So you taking a place for them with the arrogant behind. They got, uh, is, well, she from China. They got universities in China her behind uh, her children go to. Why not? Why in the hell is she fighting for universities here? Or why didn't go build their own universities in America? Right? Well, Yatin didn't realize is that even two. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Supreme Court Justices, Clarence Thomas, which a lot of people don't like, and Justice Neil Gorsuch, in their opinion, they say a certain language that we needed to make sure that was written down already. Let's take a look at what Neil Gorsuch says, because what he says is actually very important. So let's start. It says the white category sweeps in anyone from Europe, Asia, West of India. So those East Indians, they're not calling them white. 
Oh no. They actually, they say you Asian, you are not white. Okay. So let's think about that. West of India. That's interesting because West of India is actually China. If you really want to go there, Japan is West of India. It said, and North Africa. He said that includes those of Welsh, Norwegian, Greek, Italian, Moroccan, Lebanese, Turkish, or Iranian descent. He says they in the white category, they're honorary whites. He said it embraces an Iraqi or Ukrainian refugee as much as a member of the British Royal family. So they look at those Arabs as white. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and this is what this is coming out of the Supreme court justice. Now let's look at it like this. He says, meanwhile, black or African American covers everyone from a descendant of enslaved persons and say who grew up, poor in the rural South to a first generation child of a wealthy Nigerian immigrants. Now that's interesting that he brought up Nigerian immigrants and wealthy Nigerian immigrants. Let, let me, let me say something real quick before I keep going on. You know, if you take the best of any nation and put them anywhere, they're going to thrive. Let me give you an example. If I take 10,000 well-to-do families out of America, I'm not talking about the millionaires and billionaires. Let's say families who make $250,000 and above married couples with their children. And I take all 10,000 families who still have ability to make money here in America and use it in the African continent. So I take those 10,000 families and I place them. We could pick a country. We could say Nigeria. We could say, um, Ghana. We could say wherever Namibia, South Africa, Kenya, wherever we want to place them. And we take those 10,000 families and immediately when that, those families get there, they already have been educated for, for they came. They already been running businesses for they came and they are hit the ground running. And in a short amount of time, they have surpassed the average everyday person in that country. And there, and more and more black Americans of the upper echelon keep coming and coming and coming for years and doing that. Right. If you look at the statistics of those black people, those black people will earn more, have more education. Their families will stay together, etc. Versus the average everyday person in that country who's struggling, who's suffering. They won't have the, the access to income, the access to the, the best schools, access to people in government, access to judges, law enforcement. So things can go their way when their kids get into trouble. And then if those people start saying, well, Hey, you know, I came over here to Namibia and within five years, I didn't pass all y'all how I'm doing it. And then the people be looking like what well, you come in here with an advantage. So a lot of times what happens with, with immigrants, even, even those who come from certain countries, they're not the average everyday person that's getting up four or five o'clock in the morning, uh, getting on the tuk tuk 
getting on a boat, a boat, a boat, and trying to go to work every day. It's not those people. It's the upper echelon people in these African countries with, with government officials, kids, they have certain ties, you know, certain uh, government officials who sold out to the West, sending their kids over here or their families over here. And then what the United States do, especially here, let's say if there was a doctor already over there in Nigeria, they'll make them go back to school here. But since they already was a doctor, I mean, shoot, you can breathe through school. I mean, shoot, you already know the job, right? And then they give their kids opportunities and different things like that. So if you bring the best of the best here, you bring the best of India here, you bring the best of China here, of course they're going to do better than the average citizen because you're bringing the, the, the best. I just wanted to just put that in there because people don't understand. Now, when you talk about those coming from Latin America and through that Southern border, that's just your labor class. That's, that's not your top of the echelon. People coming across that way. Upper class people are not going to be going through no trek through no Mexico on a foot. They're not about to do that. That's your labor class coming over here for those low skill work jobs. Your upper echelon people, that's they kids are going to Harvard, all these African immigrants, Caribbean immigrants, Indian immigrants, Chinese immigrants, all the different people that's going to the Harvards and the Yales and all of that. These are your connected well-to-do people coming from these foreign countries. And the issue is with those who are black in skin, not culture, because black is our culture. Nigeria is their culture. Ghana is their culture, whatever place they come from. They, they put them in there definitely on, on purpose because they don't want a descendant of slave in there because that's a totally different conversation at that point. But let's continue. He says to a black identifying applicant with a multiracial ancestry whose family lives in a typical American suburb. Now let's get to Clarence Thomas and what he said. He said members of the same race do not all share the exact same experiences and viewpoints far from it. He said a black person from rural Alabama surely has not has different experiences than a black person from Manhattan or a black first generation immigrant from Nigeria. Well, they keep harping in on Nigeria and say in the same way that a white person from rural Vermont has a different perspective than a white person from Houston, Texas. However, the acts apply to freedmen. You see refugees, a formerly race neutral category, not blacks writ large. And because not all blacks in the United States were former slaves, Friedman was decidedly un, under inclusive proxy for race. So this is my issue. I'm not talking about Clarence Thomas's explanation, but you got on record. I think Katanji Brown Jackson also called this the sentence of slaves. She called this Friedman as well. You have a Supreme court justices are saying that term, you know, also justice Brett Kavanaugh talked about descendants of slaves in certain opinions too. So when the Supreme court justices are putting that down, that term, that delineation term, calling us freedmen, calling us descendants of slaves that helps black America with lineage based reparations. You have to understand that because now since the Supreme court, it says your group is a descendant of slaves or freedmen, and it's only one group of people that's the descendants of slaves in America, then you can keep going about lineage-based reparations because now you have a standing with you having delineation outside of just black. 
You understand? Because if you just say, oh, well, black, all black people should get it for discrimination, it's not for discrimination. It, it, it's, it's not for redlining and all of that. It is for slavery and the wealth that was built by the white supremacists off of our backs. This affirmative action thing, as Dr. Claude Anderson said, let it die, let it burn to the ground because no affirmative action has not benefited black America at all. It has benefited white America, white women in particular. After white women has benefited white LGBT, white disabled, white whoever, and then everybody else. These so-called minority grants and programs have not benefited black America like it was supposed to. It has benefited everybody else. So let don't get don't let the Democrats play this trick game they're gonna play with you and try to say, hey, get us in there because they're gonna take away all those minority set-asides. No, let it go. Listen, they can take it a step further. I will say this. Hey, conservatives, white GOP conservatives, I want you to make sure you equalize the races in sports too in college. Yeah, I want you to see you have all those black basketball players on there. I want you to say it's not equal and they should have an equality for white people. Because you know you know what they're doing now, right? The white supremacists now are saying that he's being discriminated against for his race. I mean, you can't make this up. You can't. So now they're victims now. They're, listen, the whole time they have been telling me and you to stop playing the victim. We always victim, 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 victim. You know, hey, get education, go work, go stop crying all the time. Now they're crying. Uh, wait a minute, Mr. and Miss White Supremacist. I thought you said stop playing the victim, and now you're playing the victim? So, so see, I told you, if they if they breathing and speaking to you, they lying. How many times I've told you that? Because the same thing they told you to stop doing, because actually you are a victim and you're still being victimized at this hour, at, at, at this minute, at this second, you're still being victimized by white supremacy. It's okay for them to, to cry victim. It's okay for them to cry discrimination all of a sudden now. Oh, I couldn't get into college because I'm white. I couldn't get into college. Do you know what kind of sick joke that is at this point? They control everything in this country. They control the schools. They control the laws. They control the government. They control everything. And then they want to say that because white, the white people who own or run the school or whatever they're doing, because they decide to take a little bit and give to people outside of white, and they're going to make sure to give black people the least out of that. Other white people are saying the white people that's running things are discriminating against white people. How, how can you have, so basically what you're saying, that's white on white discrimination. So that, that's what you're saying because Harvard university is not an HBCU. So that is ran by white people. So you're speaking about white on white discrimination. How does white people discriminate against white people based on color? How do they do that? I'm trying to figure that out. You saying you didn't get a scholarship from a white institution. Because of, because of the color of your skin. You are the same color they are. How do they hate their own? 
You say UNC, that's a white institution. How do they hate their own to be so discriminatory against other white people? It doesn't make sense. But, but, the, but this is the deal. They, they going for broke because they, they feel like they're losing the system. They're losing it. It's too many people coming in here. That's not them because Neil Gorsuch could say all day. These other groups are, are white, but these other groups have a mentality for their own people. And even he consider them white Turkish people going to be for Turkish people. They're not going to be for them. Iranians going to be for Iranians. Iraqis going to be for Iraqis. They're not going to be for them in the end. And they know this. This is why they want to bring it back to what it used to be. But see, this is this the issue. This is the problem that you got. See, at one point in time in history, Mr. and Miss White Supremacists, you usually can get away with doing a lot of stuff to black people and nobody really knew because you were the gatekeeper of all information. You were the gatekeeper of images going out to the world, videos going out to the world, newspapers, everything. You were the gatekeeper of that. So you can hide when a hundred white supremacist terrorists go to a black town and destroy it. You can hide it, but you can't hide it today. See a hundred years ago, someone like me would not have access to the world. Like I have access now to tell the truth on you, what you have done, the history, and just to quicken my brothers and sisters to the knowledge of what they need to be quickened to so they can make their own decisions, how they deal with you and everything else in the world. See, you're nervous because you don't like a spotlight put on you. Understand? See, you are like a roach. You are like a roach when the lights get cut on you. And the problem is the light has been on this roach. And he's scurrying so much. He's scurrying, 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 scurrying because everybody's seeing them globally. And then your adversaries like China, especially them, they watching you. And you know, the moment you open your mouth, you, you open your crooked uh, 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 snake fork tongue about them. Well, anything they do in their country, human rights, you know what they're going to tell you? Well, look at what you do with black people. You trying to stop black people from going to college. Why are you doing that? and ride down on you about that. See black America, unfortunately, Mr. And Miss white supremacists, we are your Achilles heel globally, how you treat us. The world is watching. And if you do us right, the world's watching that too. You're trying to hold on to a system and you're losing your standing in that system every day. See, you can't walk around and go throughout the world telling people about democracy and Christianity and how great your society is when everyone is looking into your country and seeing that you can't even have a society without a crazed lunatic maniac from your community running up in a mall or, or some sort of store and they're not the place. And it happens so much that American citizens are just used to it. Say, Oh, another one. Okay. That's how much your society has went into decay. The whole world sees that on top of your racism, the world sees that on top of the mass incarceration, which is slavery. The world sees that everybody see what you do now. 
Everybody's getting educated about you now, your ways, how you move. You, you can't walk around with your finger wagging no more. They see the agendas you are trying to push on other countries, but you won't push on others. They see your racism. For instance, if you look at what's happening in the African continent about what they pushing LGBT, everyone, even in Africans are saying, wait a minute, why are you pushing that here? But you're not going to Saudi Arabia, pushing that they got the same laws. Why are you not threatening them with sanctions because of racism? Cause remember Neil Gorsuch said people in Saudi Arabia is white. Hello. Saudi Arabians and all them Arabs in their mind is white. So they're not going to push on an, on a white country in their mind, an agenda. And hey, why don't they say something to Russia? It's illegal over there in Russia too. Notice they never said they were going to try to sanction them for not accepting LGBT, but you're going to threaten black countries. The whole world is watching you the whole world. So this is why you are getting desperate. This is why you get nervous and listen, you will lose. You tried the civil war. You lost that. You tried to do everything you could to, to us during Jim Crow and all of that time. You lost that fight too. The more and more you press us, eventually we're going to respond in our own way, but we don't really care about affirmative action. You could take that. We got HBCUs if that's what we want to go to. Now, some of you may say, oh, but the HBCUs or, you know, look what happened with Dion. Well, let me tell y'all something. Now that, that, now that portion falls on us as a community. You have, you, you fight white supremacy, but you can't clean up the mess in, in our own backyard at these HBCUs. Either these presidents do what they supposed to do. Or you, or you say you grab them by the collar and say, yo, nope, you're done out. We're going to place that. Well, who we want in that HBCU. And they're going to run it. Another thing that we gonna have to start, start doing is making sure the majority of these HBCUs are people that's descendants of slaves too. We gonna have to, because we should be looking at who we letting in. Let's call it what it is. In African countries, they don't prioritize foreigners. They prioritize citizens. And I'm not upset with them for doing that. But in this Babylonian system, they want to prioritize uh, foreigners over the citizens. And this is what causes animosity and even causes xenophobia because you're prioritizing foreigners over the citizens. Prime example, you have some of that going on in South Africa where foreigners are being prioritized in certain arenas over citizens and makes the people upset and say, I don't want you here. Go back X, Y, and Z. Of course, to me it's sad because it is other black people. They talking about a lot. And I'll say, look, if you want to be xenophobic, Hey, get, get that colonizer out <laughs> and then deal with the brothers and sisters. That's how I feel about that. Get that colonizer completely out your country. You know what I'm saying? Cause I don't like that. We go attack each other, but we know, but we, but we let the white supremacists walk scot-free. And don't say nothing to him. You don't run up on him talking about, hey, you get nope, this farm, this land is my land now. Nope, you can go on this, you descendants of the of the Netherlands, you Dutch, go back over there. That's your homeland. It's ours. It's been a good run for you. See you. You know, government, give them a plane ticket, ship them on back. Just that simple. I mean, now if you really want to get down to, down about your country, 
but we should be fighting each other. But we need to circle our wagons and we won't, we're going to have to bring all your talent to the HBCUs. We literally could turn that around overnight if we chose to. I'm like this, let them have the institutions. Cause at one point in time in this country, you couldn't go to no Harvard. You couldn't go to no Yale. You couldn't go to no Columbia. You couldn't even go to your local college in your town because white folks are like, no, you're not coming here. You better go over there with where your people at and go get an education over there. And if it goes back to that, it goes back to it. I don't care because we've been saying we need to unify in our community. We need to get together. How many of y'all have said that? Well, it looks like that the white supremacists go make you unify. And for me, that's a beautiful thing because when we unify and actually work together as a community, we thrive, we thrive big time. We do not thrive when y'all go into their institutions. We don't thrive when the majority of us are working for them. We don't thrive like that. We stay an employee. We, we, we can have a, a Harvard or a Yale degree and don't even get a, the job that we should get paid for. And then if we do get the job, uh, so you got a Harvard degree and you got Becky coming in, uh, uh, from freaking Purdue university, making more money than you. You went to Harvard as a black person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like what I'm like this, what's the point? I don't like the sabotage. I worked, you know, jobs for the folks. I've been in the petrochemical industry and all the knowledge I had, I should have been uh, a plant manager or something. All the knowledge I had, I didn't get nowhere near it. Not because I wasn't a hard worker, not because I didn't show up to work on time or nothing like that. They just overlook black people. They don't, they don't appreciate black people. And that's fine because I work for myself. And I love every minute of it because I appreciate myself and I work harder for myself than I ever work for somebody else. I would never in my life work for anybody that I would harder than I work for myself. Shoot the bare minimum. That's what I would do. The bare minimum, because as a black person, they don't give you the, the money you should get. It don't matter. It don't matter what profession you in, you work for them folks. You're, you're, you're undervalued. You're undermined and underpaid. Some of you may get scared about some of that stuff that's coming your way. If you don't want to deal with any of that and listen, I'm kind of more so like you, right? I don't really want to deal. Look at the older I get, the more, um, I don't have patience for white supremacist antics, Karen's. I don't have patience for it, but I make sure I set myself up where I can have a permanent vacation away from that situation. Right. Of course, everything you got to do it right. But like one person said a long time ago, said, man, one day we're going to lose Phil. You will. It's going to happen one day. Yeah. The time, the time will come. You won't lose me. Like not being here no more on earth or something. I'm not talking about that, but yeah, yeah. I, my day and hour will come where I won't be here <laughs> because I am personally sick and tired of the racism. I have so much of a great time not being around racism like that. That's a relief for me. Just being away from racism. You know, some people say, well, I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna fight that. Well, we'll knock yourself out. You know, it, it's a time for everything under the sun. It's a time to fight. It's a time to fight to the end. And then there's a time that you got to rest. Shoot. Let, let some other people cycle in and do some fighting. 
all them young people, all their energy, they should be uh, stepping up to the plate and fighting. But if, but if older people won't get the hell out the way and let these young people uh, actually step up to do some fighting, well, shoot, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you get to a point that you need to be the consultant. You need to be the person giving the wisdom and let them young folks go out there and deal with that. I have no problem being in a position of wisdom and consultation. None. Because there's so many other things that I want to do. All my, all our life as black people, we fight, 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 fight. And you should not back down and, and, and you let anybody run over you. No, I'm not, I ain't no punk at all, but it, it gets tiresome. And sometimes you just need a break. You may need a, a break, a month break. You may want six months break. You may want it. Hell, you may say, I'm living my best life now. I'm, I'm done. I'm waking up in the morning, go work out, come back, uh, chill my nerves, drink me some good fresh squeezed juice or something. Or, or, and I'm just, Hey, I'm just chilling. I'm not worrying with them folks no more. I'm done. But like I tell people, you're never done as long as you live in the, in the West. You always going to be fighting them. If you're not fighting them physically, you're going to be fighting them mentally. So every day you live in the Western world, you'll be fighting them. You ain't got no choice in the matter, but to fight them. Cause they go sure going to come after you. You can't go to the freaking grocery store without the potential of dealing with a freaking Karen. That's fighting you. The only time they halfway act decent is when I'm from my travels is when I'm in the African continent. Then they be on their P's and Q's a little bit more. Cause they outnumbered. See when they outnumbered and that's why they don't want to be outnumbered. When they outnumbered, they know that they know to, to check themselves. When they got the majority, they act more of a fool with you. Oh, I noticed that, but we need to focus on reparations. The fight is reparations, lineage based reparations, period. Anybody come up talking about, well, why racism? No, I don't care about that. And let's call it what it is. If you if, listen, uh, yeah, my cousins from, from abroad, I love you. Oh, I love you. But y'all chose to come here. It's a choice. And some of your countries I've been to sure you got problems, but you don't have these problems. Personally, I wouldn't, if I knowing what I know, I wouldn't choose to come here. Not here. I'll go to another black nation on the African continent. That's maybe in a better situation than my country. That's what I would do. Why you want to come over here for and dealing with this mess? Just saying it, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, shoot, if you got talent. You can always go make some money. Trust me on that. But reparations, the focus reparations is the fight lineage based reparations. And now with that alley oop with those Supreme court opinions, you have more of a standing getting lineage based reparations than any other type of reparations. Somebody talking about race. Somebody talking about, mm -mm, nope. Anybody talking about race-based reparations, they're trying to sell you down the river. 